Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. The mature man accepts the natural limitations of life. He does not expect providence to be prejudiced in his favor. He does not ask for loaded dice to play the game of life. He knows, with Carlyle, that there is no sense in vilifying the sun because it will not light our cigars. Will Durant. Sure, some lucky ducks were born with silver spoons in their mouths, and in life's great poker game, some people get better cards than others. It's enough to make you just sit down and cry. The old law of averages certainly doesn't apply to you. If luck were really a lady, the world would be a fairer place. Even if it weren't, at least you would get better cards. Maybe your luck will turn, but then again, maybe not. In the meantime, you will need to simply go with the cards you are dealt. Okay, you get it, but it's still a roll of the dice and you can't do much about that fact of life, but, maybe you can. A friend tells this story. It was bright and early one morning when Grandpa found an exceptionally fine seashell on the beach. I flippantly commented, that was just dumb luck, you're finding that shell. He smiled and replied, yes, it was dumb luck for a guy who was already on the beach and looking before 6.30. Sure, luck and maybe even dumb luck at times play a big part in a lot of things. Things happen and you can't control everything but you can make a point to be on the beach before 6.30 and can make the extra effort it takes to improve the odds for your success. The old-timers call this smart luck. Thomas Jefferson also supported personal responsibility as an important key to good luck. I'm a great believer in luck and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. The famous Annan added one more key to unlocking luck's door. Luck is when opportunity knocks and you answer. Depend on the rabbit's foot if you will but remember it didn't work for the rabbit. In a hierarchy, every employee tends to rise to his level of incompetence. Lawrence Peter. This maxim is known as the Peter Principle and is thought to account for the fact that there are incompetent people at all organizational levels, although not necessarily at a given level in a specific organization. Peter's notion is that people are promoted based on their competence at a lower level. The pool of people who are eligible for promotion to any level in an organization is limited to individuals who have demonstrated competence at a lower level. If you are the employee, you will keep getting promoted until you eventually get a position for which you aren't competent. That's as far as you will go, and since everyone knows that is how it works, you will stay there until you quit or retire. Since Peter is right, at least to some extent, how can this organizational tendency be best managed? First, recognize that the knowledge and skills competencies for success in a lower position aren't the same as those required for a higher position. Usually, job descriptions are mostly a list of duties and responsibilities. The position description for the next higher level simply says that the employee is expected to supervise or manage employees who perform the duties associated with the lower position. If you are a bricklayer, Promotion to foreman means that you supervise manage bricklayers. You get the idea. As a bricklayer, the position requirements primarily focused on being able to correctly lay X number of bricks under Y circumstances. As a foreman, the position requirements include knowing a lot about laying bricks, but actually being an expert bricklayer isn't necessarily required. You need to be able to supervise manage bricklayers. 
The point is that the major competencies needed to be a successful foreman vary a lot from those required to be a successful bricklayer. Being a foreman requires a quite different knowledge skill set. Instead of promoting a bricklayer to foreman, it would make as much sense to recruit a competent, non-bricklaying foreman and have him supervise manage the bricklayers. The question is whether it is better to have a competent bricklayer who knows very little about supervision and management or a competent foreman who knows very little about bricklaying. Since the obvious need is for someone who knows a lot about bricklaying and a lot about supervising managing bricklayers, it sure isn't difficult to see what is needed. If someone wants to be a bricklayer, he will need to serve an apprenticeship under a qualified bricklayer. To be a foreman, you will need to be a qualified bricklayer and then successfully complete an apprenticeship designed especially for foremen. Unfortunately, the higher up one goes in an organization, the less likely one is to find an apprenticeship program at that level. At the highest levels, apprenticeship training should be an integral part of an organization's succession planning but it typically isn't, if there is any succession planning at all. Character cannot be developed in peace and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved. Helen Keller The relationship between trial and suffering is a common theme in the success and motivation literature, although failure usually replaces trial and suffering in the equation. For example, Benjamin Disraeli said, all my successes have been built on my failures. The famous Annan said, Failure is a better teacher than success, but she seldom finds an apple on her desk. And Scott Adams, creator of Dilbert, said, Most success springs from an obstacle or failure. Maury Povich joined in too when he said, There's got to be a glitch along the way, or else you lose touch with reality. Robert Louis Stevenson took the concept to the extreme. Our business in life is not to succeed but to continue to fail in good spirits. And Winston Churchill echoed the theme. Success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Now isn't that just dandy? It's enough to make one get out there and fail just to get firmly on the path to success, and the bigger the failure, the better. Every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent success. According to Napoleon Hill, Perhaps a good measure of trial and suffering would also be a terrific addition to one's optimal success strategy. Interestingly, simply failing is, by itself, not sufficient. One must develop the right attitude toward failure. Reggie Jackson suggested, I feel the most important requirement in success is learning to overcome failure. You must learn to tolerate it, but never accept it. Dexter Yeager said, a winner is one who accepts his failures and mistakes, picks up the pieces, and continues striving to reach his goals. It's a get-back-on-the-horse kind of thing. Denny Waitley puts it this way. Forget about the consequences of failure. Failure is only a temporary change in direction to set you straight for your next success. At least Norman Vincent Peale didn't buy into the negative approach to success. We've all heard that we have to learn from our mistakes but I think it is more important to learn from our successes. If you learn only from your mistakes, you are inclined to learn only errors. The conclusion here is simple. Fail if you absolutely can't avoid it. If you fail, don't quit. You can't succeed if you don't try. Having said that, success is always more fun than failing and there is never any shame in having fun. The key is to do the right things right, the first time, on time, 
every time. With that as your personal standard, you won't always have fun but the odds will definitely favor your proactive approach to success.